Nicole said I had the same shoes on as she did today. That's how I was greeted. She's like, your shoes look like mine. I'm like, is that a good thing? So if I understand this right, the girls are going to Spice and the dudes are playing hockey? Oh, okay. All right. I love it. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Oh, we're all going to hockey. Are we, are we playing hockey or are we watching hockey? We're watching hockey. Uh, I'm up for watching hockey. I would be terrible at playing hockey. I could tell you that. Someone would end up with a mild concussion, I'm sure. Well, it's great to be together. We had a couple of weeks off, so I said, where else would I rather be than Hesperia, Michigan, with some of my best friends in the world? So I said, let's make the drive up here and see Matt and Sarah. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about relationships, if that's cool with you guys. I think that's a big thing. Maybe we can uh, take a Bible story here, and uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know how long I have, but if you guys have some notepads or a Bible or a cell phone or anything you have to look at a, a scripture verse with me, I'll invite you guys to turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, or click with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. There's a responsibility that comes with relationships. There's just a responsibility that comes with relationship. And as we, as Jesus followers, have to steward that, it's part of the commission that we've been given. So when we follow Jesus, we steward the things that he puts in our past. It's part of, it's part of our responsibility. And the Bible, believe it or not, is huge on relationship. Okay. All right. Here we go. You know, Jesus, since the beginning... It's been all about relationship. You know, God created man in his image in the garden for the sole purpose of relationship, to have him steward his, his design out on earth. And then God found that that relationship was working, but the man was a little bit lonely. So he said, hey, let us create a, another person, a helper, a woman. Um, and that was solely for relationship. Now, we know that that relationship went uh, a, a, li- a little bit southward, but it's no, it's no surprise that upon the resurrection of Jesus, in, in, after when he came out of the tomb, it was Mary that thought that he was the gardener. Because it's back to the garden, because it's the restoration of relationship. It's no surprise that when Jesus was walking with his boys and he cursed the fig tree, which was in season and the, and the leaves withered, remember that story? Well, it was, it was back in the garden that they took fig trees and weaved together loincloths. So when Jesus cursed the fig tree in the New Testament, he's only saying it, this is only pointing back to the garden, which relationship was lost. So the Bible threw out the whole thing because God is a covenant-keeping God. The whole thing develops the relationship. What started in the garden ends in Revelation 22. In the garden, there was trees and a river and fruit. And in Revelation 22, there's trees and a river and some fruit. So whenever we look at the Scripture as a whole, which we have to if we're good Bible studiers, when we look at the Scripture as a whole, we see a covenant straight through. What started will end. That's how good God is. It's all about relationship. It's relationship that we have with God, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and then it's about relationship that we have with one another. So when you look at, when you look at relationship, you can look at it in the spiritual sense, 
and apply it to the natural. But when you look at relationship in the natural, you can apply it then to the spiritual. If God is in it, all things are spiritual. God is in all and through all and around all and created all. So therefore, it's really not a divide between the natural and the spiritual. Okay. Okay, Second Kings, you guys got there? I'll just keep rambling. I just want to give you guys a little bit of time to get there. Okay, Second Kings, starting in chapter um, 8, I'm going to read a story. Uh, this happened about 820 years before Jesus uh, came to earth. So about 820 years before the Messiah was born, we see this type of story unfolding with these huge factors about developing our relationship with God. We can look at this on a macro level, but we can apply it very broad. See, that's what the scripture's good at. We can take a Bible story, and that's a very macro level, but we can apply it very broad. That's me, you, and all of us in this room. That's how we get our application. We can just use it on a macro level. That's how we work through scripture. Let me read this story to you, and we will have some fun, and we'll be done here in about 55 minutes. It'll be cool. No, I'm not kidding. No, I'll go fast. Okay, says this. One day, Elijah went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and he rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shudamite. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, see you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army because Elijah's saying, listen, I'm connected. I, I know people. I got people in high places. I'm the man. Do you need a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she said, no, 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 no. I dwell among my own people, he, she said. And, and then he said, what is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her again, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, oh, no, oh, no, my Lord. No, 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 man of God. Please do not lie to me. She said, I've been praying about this, and I've been fasting about this, and I got the sticky notes on my fridge, and I've been putting sticky notes on my, my bathroom mirror. Do not come in here and lie to me about this because we will be fighting up in here. You better catch me outside. How about that? But the woman conceived. The woman bore a son about that time the following spring, just as Elijah had said to her. Father, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Jesus, just take the next few minutes as we look into your word and work it in us and around us and through us. And Father, let us leave here different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Has anybody ever had someone else that wasn't family live with them? 
Is that weird or what? Have you guys ever experienced this? You ever had someone like outside of the family like live with you? It's a little bit weird. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'm not really that type of person. Like, I don't know. I don't want people that I don't really know living with me at my house. But, but Heidi is different. <laughs> Heidi is like, well, they can stay with us. I'm like, I don't even know him. I don't know what he's been up to. She's like, no, no, I think they should stay with us for a while. And I'm like, mm. see, I'm a little bit of an introverted guy. I know I, I speak a lot and I'm in front of people a lot, but in all honesty, I'm kind of an introverted guy. I like being by myself. I like uh, Netflix. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want people in my space. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Um, but we've had this happen a few times. And, and like, so we have a three-bedroom house, which all three rooms are occupied. But Heidi's always like, you know, we need a, maybe a bigger house so we can have a guest room. I'm like, a guest room? Why do we need a guest room? <laughs> Why would we want that? She's like, so people could come and stay with us. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let's pray about that. <laughs> so sometimes when I look at this story, I look at it in a natural way. I'm like, she came to her husband like, you see this guy keeps passing our way. I think that we need to build an addition for him. I'm sure he was like, mm, well, oh, oh, but you see she got her way, didn't she? <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Um, couple, couple, of, <laughs> couple of points this morning, um, just in the relationship of this story and relationship to relationship. That's how we're going to do it. So we're going to look at what this lady did, a couple of things that she did in her home and in her household, and, and how she cultivated a relationship. How do we create or constantly create and cultivate an ongoing relationship? That's a big question. And like I said, we can look at this story as, as a, on a macro level, but we can apply it to our lives here today. Do you guys got anything to write some notes down? I'm going to give you a couple of points. They're going to be amazing. Okay, here's a one point. Write this down. Just write down divine dinner. Divine dinner. We'll make sense of this. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. Does anybody here in Hesperia, Michigan, like to eat food? <laughs> Yes, I love food. I made a right on Apple Ave today, went to McDonald's. I just love food. I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm like, oh, it was a left. And it was a long left. I thought McDonald's would be a lot closer than what it was. It's divine dinner. So there's always something so powerful about being ready for God, doing our part. That, now, the relationship with us and God is never 50-50. It isn't. It isn't. Because, because God can take much larger steps than we can. But the Bible says that when we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. So if we take one step towards God, God usually takes about five steps towards us. Because So the relationship isn't 50-50. But there is something that's very important about being ready for God. The Bible tells us, as we just read in the story, so whenever, so whenever, he passed that way, she had something prepared for him. You know that she was futuristic with the relationship. 
She had a plan and a process. The meal, when the meal was finished, it was almost like she was starting to think about the next one. Things that are given to us by God should be on the forefront of our minds. The relationship with Jesus should always be front and center. When you have the divine in your house, it's not pizza rolls and and chicken strips. You don't microwave the entree when God is showing up. You, when you have the conduit of heaven that comes to your house, it's not like, ah, do we have pizza roll? Have you went to Aldi this week? No, no, it's not like that. Whenever he passed that way, she had a meal ready for him. She was working in that relationship. She wasn't hot-pocketing God, if you know what I mean. It's not about hot pockets. It's about, no, I'm going to be so futuristic with this that whenever he comes this way, he's going to want to turn in here because I'm going to work this relationship. And there's something for us to learn about that. It's all about prioritizing, right? It's about prioritizing. And too many times I prioritize the wrong things and it can handicap my ability to change. So... When you see the Shunammite woman, you have to think that this was a lady who was prioritizing the right things in her life because she was futuristic with the relationship with Elijah because whenever he passed that way, she had something prepared. If you want to do relationships well, you have to be on the forefront of that. You have to be ready in advance for the relationship to prosper. It's Old Testament imagery here. But when Elijah shows up, if you understand 820 years before Jesus was in the house, here comes Elijah, and Elijah was the representation of God on earth. That was the man of God. That was as close as you get. And there wasn't, everybody wasn't walking around full of the Holy Spirit like we are now. New Testament is a lot different. But when Elijah shows up, this was, this was a big deal. This was God on earth. This was his main man. And when he was in your house, basically that's the conduit of heaven in your house. That's a really big deal. And she set the place just right for the divine to dwell. That's how we have to work our divine dinners. It works with God and it works with people. So when you have someone over to your house and you getting ready to do a little something, you, you should probably be ready for that. You know, the best home group leaders and cell group leaders and life group leaders are the people like when you get to their house. Have you guys ever been part of a life group, cell group? I guarantee when you go to a person's house, they're kind of ready for you when you arrive. You ever been there? Yeah, like I love going to some people's house. Uh, some people, I love going to the house. We have a couple in our church. I love going to the house. I tell Heidi every time, I just feel so good when I go to their house because it's just, it's just amazing. You walk in, it's just, it's wonderfully lit. She always has coffee and tea and water and caramel like muffins and uh, comfy cow. I, I just love going there. And it's like, I always feel so comfortable. And I know you guys have been there when you go to someone's house and it's just nice. You're like, I kind of like being here. But the opposite is also true. You ever went to someone's house? It's just a mess. They like, ah, come on in. Uh, uh, what do you got? I think we have water. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, 
how long are we going to be here? <laughs> and it's just being ready to steward the relationship. You have to be a little bit, you know, it has to be something that's on your mind. You know, you're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, the dogs are here. Uh, and it's just like, it's just awkward. But this lady, I don't get that, the sense from that lady. This lady, she was ready to go. Ask a question. Here's a question I ask. What's on the stove of my life for Jesus? What's cooking in my life for the Lord? That's the question that the Bible begs us to ask. This lady, ready to go. Me, Lord, would I hot pocket you or do I have something cooking? I read this story and have to think, that every time that the prophet came around, every day that God was present, every day there was a slice of heaven touching earth. This was like a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon meal that was prepared. You see, I think that the level of our preparation will always determine the level of our breakthrough. So if you want a big outpouring, it starts back here. If you want a big breakthrough, it starts back here. The level of our preparation will always determine the level of our breakthrough. In the areas I need increase, that has to be resolved by readiness. In the areas that you need increase, that's always always resolved about being ready. Heidi and I, we talk all the time, how are we positioning ourselves? Positioning in the kingdom of God, in the church of Jesus Christ. Positioning yourself is huge. you got to position yourself for breakthrough. Position yourself to be ready. Position yourself for the presence of God. It's really all about positioning. If you want to be great at relationships, it's just putting yourself in the right position to be ready for relationships. Okay. This lady was willing to take the time. She was willing to make an investment. She was willing to buy groceries in advance. I can just see it. She had the milk on ice. She had the pot roast in the slow cooker. She, she had the, din- the dinner table set. Plates were out. Glasses were full. Coffee was on. Dessert was ready. So that every time he turned up, guess what? I'm ready for you. Your level of, your level of breakthrough will always be determined by your level of readiness. Number two, write this down. Number one, divine dinner. Number two, prioritize the divine. Prioritize the divine. It says this, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, story we just read. Let's make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Let's just make a small room on the roof. Now, We've just done a small remodel on our bathroom. Matt and Sarah have just done a large remodel on their whole house. Everybody's been there at least once. Now, remodeling your house is some drama. It's some crazy stuff. You get crazy people in there doing work. Listen, what happened to us? This is what happened to us. I'm getting off topic now. So they were redoing our bathroom. All I hear is this... Oh, you dummy, you weren't supposed to do that. I'm like, oh, my God. I listened to these guys next door working in the bathroom, and I don't think they had any clue of what they were doing. 
praise the Lord, they are done and out. And it does look okay. But I have no idea whatsoever how they got there. Only by the grace of God. But this lady comes to her husband and she goes, you know, he's always coming this way. I'd like to remodel the house, put an addition on the roof. That's not an easy task. However, I love, I love the location of what she said. Because if you're a business person, and obviously it's, it's all about location, right? You ever hear that about p- business people? They're like, well, it's all about location. You want to put a church in the right place? Got to have a good location. You want to have a store, bank, wherever, it's got to be in the right location. I love the location of this. I want to put a small room on the roof. She's basically saying, I want to elevate. I want to promote. I want to prefer. I want to exalt. I want to raise up. I want to lift up. You deserve the highest praise. You're moving on up. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? I want to put a small room on the roof. She's prioritizing her relationship with God because she's saying, I want to elevate him higher than we even are. I want to put him highest in this house. Location is so key and positioning is so key to stewarding relationships. Well, see, so many times I try to fit God in. Are we just being honest this morning? Is this on podcast? So many times we just try to fit God in. Like we have a take 15 campaign. Eh, 15 minutes is a lot of time. In a day, every day, they wanted me to take 15 minutes out of my day, spend with the Lord. It's more difficult than it actually sounds. It really is. Have you done your take 15 a day? Uh, maybe. (laughs) I'm like three minutes in, so I got like 12 minutes left. (sighs) We're just busy people by general. Basically, we're, we're busy people, and if we're not busy people, at least we think we're busy people. That's, you know what I mean? You ever talk to somebody? Hey, what's new? busy. You're like, ah, just so busy. Just, just busy, busy, busy. What are you busy with? Ah, just busy with being busy. It's real busy times. <laughs> it's busy times. Is this true though? You can ask anybody. doesn't matter age, gender, well, whoever. doesn't matter. People just think that they're busy. And, and for the most part, I mean, I guess we are pretty busy people. But I just have to, I just have to make time for God in my life. It's prioritizing our, 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 ourselves in the right direction. And this lady seemed to have it all figured out. She wasn't just trying to fit God in. She was, she was redirecting her whole life to make this a priority. She made space. She rearranged her house. She figured out a new schedule. She remodeled. She built a room with a roof and walls and, and a chair and a lamp. She said, no, I'm not only cooking for God, I'm building for him too. I have a spatula in this hand and a hammer in the other. Did she or did she not? She's like, hey, whenever he comes this way, I'm going to have a meal prepared. By the way, give me the hammer, tool belt, and tape measure because I'm going to build a room for him too. Okay, thank you. See, something's going to happen to this lady because she's prioritizing things in the right direction. Our level of preparation will always determine the level of outpouring. Man, I'm cooking and I'm building. This lady had something going on. You know, it's important to make space to facilitate what God is going to do. That's why, that's why growing and finding new space and building new rooms, you have to facilitate what God is going to do. Matt and Sarah in their house, us in our bathroom. We want people that when they come, they can figure stuff out. 
Upstairs, please. <laughs> you know, it's just helping to facilitate what God wants to do. It, it works for us in our personal homes. It works for us in our church. Revive, you guys got to... You guys got to get out of this building eventually. Why? Because you want to facilitate what God is going to do for the long haul. You got to continue. We have to continue to build. That's just how things work. Talked to a lady a couple weeks ago. Not going to say where, when, somewhere down the road. She goes, oh, I hope we stay in this little building forever. I said, "Uh, that's not a good thing to say. I understand the sentiment behind it, but not good. No, you want to grow. You want to build. You want to expand. You want to put rooms on the roof with the wall. and You want to facilitate what God is doing. Now, the items in the room weren't randomly placed, okay? Because you think, ah, this is a long time ago. But she had items that she wanted to put in the room, and they actually speak volumes to where we're at today. Like, if I was building a room, I'm like, you know, if we're building a room, we're like table, chair, lamp, bed. Okay. Sounds boring. I'm like, PlayStation, big screen television, mini fridge. That's what I need in my room. <laughs> but she's like, she's working with what she has. So she tells her husband, now, what's the first thing that she puts in the room? Everything is numerically in order in the Bible, too. This, sometimes we have to look at stuff like this. But the first thing she says that she wants to put in the room is a bed. What are we going to put in the room? Put there a bed. See, here's why. Because relationships thrive in rest. Everything thrives in rest. So the first item that she puts in the room is a bed. Why? Because relationships will try, will always survive when there's rest that's flowing in it. And when you're young, like me, it, would you laugh? When you're young like us, you, you, you have to balance that out. Sometimes we can go, 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 but we have to actually find time in our lives to work in rest because if you're rested, you'll, you'll, you'll be a better you. That's kind of basic, but, like, if, you know, you have to go to sleep sometimes in the same day that you get up, and, and you'll be a better you, and relationships always work best when rest is involved in them too. You, do, you don't want to strain relationships. They always have to be birthed in rest. Rest is not laziness. Okay? Don't let anybody tell you that rest is laziness. That is not. I love a nap. And, and that I'm resting. I'm not being lazy. I'm just getting myself in the right position. Rest has a lot to do with peace. Peace has a lot to do with rest. Peace in the Bible is called shalom. Shalom has a lot to do with wholeness. So, Rest is peace, but peace is through shalom, and shalom is actually wholeness. When there's rest in the relationship, you're only working for rest. The very first reason this whole opportunity was created was for the opportunity for him to rest. So when we start to talk about relationships with us in Holy Spirit, with us in Jesus, with us in our neighbor, our husband, wife, significant. When we start to talk about these things, it's very important that there's rest and peace and wholeness in that relationship. It all starts in the bed. Get a room and put there a bed. There you go. I followed you up. Title of the message today, Jordan, is get a room be the most downloaded podcast ever. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. So she says this. She goes, you know what? We just don't need a bed. We need a table. Tables are very, very important because tables, tables, um, there's a connection point when it comes to a table, right? Because tables actually work into New Testament. Tables are just tables, but we understand the significance behind it because it's like really New Testament. But tables are like a connection point. They're a place of communion, fellowship, conversation, sharing life, remembrance, planning, laughter, tears. Things progress at the table. It's, it's, a very, it's a very sacred thing when you break bread with each other. When you're like, come over to my house, have a meal, let's talk, let's share life together. So the table in this room for the prophet is kind of painting this picture. It's New Testament Christianity. How do I best steward a God relationship? Having people at my table. That's how you best steward a relationship. Hey, let's go to the restaurant have a meal together. Come over to my house, sit at my table so we can share life together. Stories, laugh, tears, kids, drama, wins, victory. All of that stuff is all shared at the table. So in Matthew chapter 9, it says this of Jesus, as Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples. And then you keep reading, there's a story in Luke, I believe it's probably in the last chapter of Luke, Luke 29 or something, there's two guys that are walking down uh, a road to Emmaus. Jesus comes up and starts to walk with them. They don't even know it's Jesus. Jesus is like, what's going on? They're like, you haven't heard? And he's like, no, what's going on? They're like, they, they killed him. They killed him. He was, he, was, he was everything. And he wasn't actually revealed to these two guys until they were at the table. And it says that when he, he was at the table, he broke bread with them and he was revealed. And they said, ah, that was him. Didn't our hearts burn from within inside of us? There's something so great that happens at the table. What am I doing? I'm having a meal prepared. What am I doing? I'm creating rest. What am I doing? I'm creating a place of fellowship and community and communion and laughter. That's how I'm starting to steward these relationships. Now, she said, I need to get a chair in here too can't always just lay. Sometimes you have to get up and sit in your chair. But, but the chair starts to paint an interesting picture as well. See, now chairs in the Bible speak of authority. Yeah, well, I'm in the chair. No, no. Chairs do start to speak of this place of authority and support and sovereignty and dignity. Oh, you remember... If you're like my house, remember we always used to eat dinner together every night because we were like that classic 80s family. It's like, hey, dinner's ready. No phones, nothing. We used to just have dinner together. And we had four four places at our dinner table. And we always said, this is dad's chair. This is my chair. Anybody's tables work like that still today? Yeah, isn't that? Like, this is where you sit. This is dad's chair. we've, We've got off the tracks. I don't know why. But, but... I always remember at our dinner table, my dad always had the same seat. And it's like this place of authority. And you see, this Shunammite woman gave Elijah a chair in symbolizing my dependence is upon you. She's doing something amazing here. I'm gonna, it's gonna, this is going to end really cool. Bed, rest, peace, shalom. 
table, place, communion, fellowship, breaking bread, chair. I want you to know you have a voice into my life. I want you to know that I respect you and you can speak into my life. You see this throughout the whole Bible. Luke chapter 10, if you want to write it down. Famous story. Listen to this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. So Martha says, Jesus, come in. Mary, she's being a little bit lazy. Where is she? She's sitting at the Lord's feet, meaning Jesus was in the chair. Paul says this in defense of his uh, apostleship. Paul, in Acts 22, he starts to make an, a, a defense upon his apostleship. And he says this in front of the king. He says, King Agrippa, I'm a Jew. I was born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, and I was educated at the feet of Gamiel. Small sentence in there speaks volumes. Why? Sir, I was born in this city. I was educated in this city at the feet of Gamiel because rabbis always sat in the chair and disciples always sat on the ground. When the Shunammite lady takes a chair, puts it in the room, says, you know what? I want to learn from you. I want to give you a place in my life to speak into my life. This is a good way to, to steward relationships, right? Because letting your bosses, your supervisors, your directors, your pastors, you know what? You just give them the place of authority in your life. It's simple, and things will go a lot easier for you. They love it. People in authority love to be treated like people in authority. I learned that a long time ago. I just say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Okay, what do you want me to do? Yep, okay, got it. Thank you. Uh-huh, bye. Goes well with you because bosses like to be bosses. Teachers love to be teachers. Pastors love to be pastors. And you just learn from them, glean from them, and, and then it just goes so well. This lady was so sharp, so smart, resting, fellowship. Please speak into my life. And then she says, I need a lamp. So she's starting to design this room, but the picture that it paints is way different than the picture if we just read it really fast. So she says, I need a lamp there. See, a lamp is super important because in the context of stewarding the relationship with God the Father, Jesus the Holy Spirit, we need a lamp. Why? Because John in the book of Revelation, you want to talk about the book of Revelation? So John in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And upon turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay? So to operate in the dynamic of the Trinity, it's going to always take the church. The church is actually God's plan for the world. It's us. Guess what? Figure this out. Guess what God's plan is for the world? You! Congratulations. We are the answer to the world. You know what? The church is the, one, is the motor of the vehicle of the kingdom of God. We can hasten the day of Jesus. You know what? We can actually hurry his day by going out and being stewards of what God has given us to. Well, don't you think things are getting worse? <clears throat> Not really. Because as more as opposition raises up, glory raises up all the more. Well, I think we're, it, the world's getting bad. No, no, sir. <clears throat> Seed time and harvest will remain. Until Jesus returns. And it's the church's job 
to steward that rightly. That's all it is. Because as opposition raises up, the Bible says glory raises up all the more. The church, we have a wonderful, wonderful um, responsibility, and that's to usher in the very kingdom of God. It's a big job. That's why we need the lamp. And she's kind of putting the lamp in the room by saying, I need the revelation of the church because the lamp is a picture of the church. I need to rest. I need communion. I need fellowship. I, I need that place of authority. I need people to speak into my life, and I need to be part of the local church because that's the body and the bride of Christ. Jesus is coming back for a wonderful bride. I'm going to stay. I'll stay on here for a second because I feel it in the room. But what is the church going to look like five minutes before the Lord returns? Hmm. He's coming back for a wonderful bride, spotless bride. Do you think the church is going to look beat down and destroyed and dragged through the mud five minutes before the Lord returns? How would that look? I want to get married. (laughs) She just went, away. I'm not marrying that. No, 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 no. You could you should have worked yourself out before this wedding. We knew you had a lot of time for preparation. The Bible says the Lord is coming back for a spotless bride, radiant in her glory, and that's the church. We're just getting better and better and better. We're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory to stronger to stronger. The church wins. We don't get beat down. Well, we do, but, you know, we win in the long run. We got the Lord on our side. We read the end of the book. We win. And we are stewarding something great for God. Okay, write this down. Just us. Just U.S. Just write this down. I'm going to finish up real quick. It's going to take me a couple more minutes, and I'm going to tie this all together, hopefully. Okay, so just I want to mention this really quick because Second Kings chapter 8 Verse 12, the same story that we read, he's, it says something important. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. Because in those days, I, I'm not going to break it down, but it, was very, it wasn't appropriate for the man of God to talk to the woman of God. So he's like, hey, you call the woman. Because it, it, it wasn't appropriate for him to be the prophet of God, the, the representation of God on the earth. He can call the woman to have a direct conversation. So he's basically saying, hey, you call her. We'll work this out. But he says, and he told Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, say now to her, see you, you have taken all this trouble for us. You've taken all this trouble for us. Quick point here. However, super important. That when you focus on blessing God and investing in the relationship, the result of it is others get blessed in the wake of it. The best way to be good at relationship, it, you, you see what I'm saying? So just because the lady was nice to Elijah, this guy named Gehazi was just getting blessed in the result of it. Sometimes when we focus on our relationship with God and we steward our relationship with God, the result of it is the person next to you is going to get some of the overflow of that blessing. See, you have taken all this trouble for us. For us? Wait, no, I thought, no, Gehazi was just in the wake. He was just in the tidal wave of blessing because of what she was stewarding. Sometimes the best way to be a blessing to others is to cultivate our connection with Jesus. Right? 
I really want to bless this person. Sometimes the best way to bless this person is working on my relationship with this person because if I work on my relationship with this person, the overflow blessing will be for this person. It's funny how that works. It's just a Bible principle. He was just in the simple, in the overflow. Okay, let me end here. So through this relationship that the Shunammite woman cultivated, through what was entrusted to her, she created an opportunity for miracles. Anybody ever need a miracle? Yeah, we all get to that place, don't we? But through what she did, she created an opportunity for miracles. You see, she fed and she prioritized and she gave rest and she created that environment of peace and she created that environment of communion and a table of connection and she received instruction and she brought about a testimony and glory and and all of this good stuff was going on because she was cooking and cleaning and building and she was really starting to develop this relationship and she was actually creating an environment for miracles. And 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 there's there's this amazing line in this story, and we read by it very quickly, but it says this. He says, call the Shunammite woman back again, and she came back, and the Bible says she stood in the doorway. And that's a very, very powerful spot. Has anybody ever been just on the brink of opportunity? Just been on the line of breakthrough? Just been right there? It's like, ah, she just stood in the doorway. And that's my favorite sentence in the whole Bible because I could just remember, I can imagine her coming up the stairs and she's just standing right in that place of transition. She's in the doorway. Doorways are always areas of opportunity. And she stood in the doorway and they said this to her About this time, next year, you'll have a son. And she said, Oh, no, no, no. No, she couldn't even accept it. She couldn't even embrace such a thought. But she, and they said, oh, no, it's true. He's coming, and you'll be given birth about a year from now. And that was a place of miracles. And she, a year down the road, embraced life she embraced, she embraced what her preparation and her stewarding of relationships did for her. If we want breakthrough and miracles in our lives, there's something in this story about doing relationships that will bring that to us. It's all about just being ready, building, preparing, communion, community, listening, rest. Those are very key words that we, can, that we can grasp into our lives and create doorway opportunities. We need them as individuals. We need them for our loved ones. We need them for our neighbors. We need them for our church. We need those. And I believe that by these simple principles, we can create doorways in our lives that we can actually embrace life. Embrace Breakthrough, embrace promotion, embrace growth, embrace whatever it is that God has for you. But the simple fact is he's a very good God, and he always wants to bring you to the doorway. Always. He's going to say that to you. 
Call him again and tell him to come up here and stand in the doorway. Let's pray.